and he like locked me out of the apartment with no clothes on. He like literally threw me out. And I was finally able to get out the next day once I had realized, okay, this is my worst fear. The next time he is going to kill me. Welcome back to Other People's Lives. I'm Joe Sanagato. I'm Greg Dybeck. For anyone out there that wants to be a guest on our show, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can reach us at, a, at our email, oplpodcast at gmail.com. And quick shout out to our Patreon community uh, over at patreon.com slash OPL show. If you want to join that, uh, head over to that URL, check it out. And uh, we use the funds to make donations to different people, different charities. So if you want to be a part of that, head over to patreon.com slash OPL show. So today we're speaking with a woman who reached out to us via email and the subject line read why I stayed my abuse story. And in the email she wrote, as a survivor, I have heard the question, why do people stay in abusive relationships more times than I can count? I believe my story can give some perspective on why so many women and men, including myself, stay in abusive relationships for so long, even after the rose-colored glasses are off. And after reading that, we decided that we would love to give uh, this guest and her story a platform and think it's super important to have a survivor uh, be able to answer that question that is... It's a pretty unfair question, I think, when it's asked of people of, you know, why didn't they just leave right away? So with that said, we've got our guests on the line and thanks so much for being on to tell your story. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, of course. So to start, I think uh, it's always super helpful for people to hear about the red flags and warning signs that survivors of abusive relationships uh, end up kind of seeing throughout their journey. So can you tell us a bit about your relationship with this person and when it began to turn and what some of those first red flags that emerged were? Definitely. Um, so I think the, the weird thing about my situation was that it happened fairly early on in the relationship. Um, I'd say around week two, I started noticing a lot of those signs. Um, but when I first met him, it was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the term love bombing before. Um, love bombing? Love bombing. What's, what's that mean exactly? Uh, it's where somebody shows someone a lot of affection right off the bat and kind of traps them into a situation where um, they feel like they have to kind of return that. Um, so right off the bat, he was bringing me flowers every day. He was bringing me coffee in the morning. He was moving way too fast. He was talking about moving in um, together within our first week of our relationship. Um, and that second week was when it turned more into the um, yelling. He was yelling at me in the street. He was throwing things. Um, and he kind of like passed this off as like um, he was just a very angry person, but he was working on it. Um, and that anger would never be um, used to hurt me. He was making a lot of promises like that, uh, pretty early on and then it switched to it gradually kind of escalated from there. So, I mean, just, you know, two weeks after knowing this person or 
how long did you kind of know him before you officially started dating? I knew him about a month before we officially started dating. Okay. And did that all seem typically sort of normal? And then once you guys decided to, uh, make it sort of official, you're saying two weeks from then that's when all of this started to begin. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, when we first were talking and, um, going on dates, he was incredibly gentle. It was only after he felt like he kind of had me in trapped in that relationship that things started to turn. And it seems that he got pretty, um, I'm not protective, but there's some other word that is escaping me right now. But, uh, <clears throat> early on in the relationship, so you like two weeks in, these things start happening. Like, can you just kind of talk about, you know, in your head, why at this point, you know, cause it's easy for people on the outside to say, well, I barely knew this person. It was two weeks already seeing red flags. Like I'm out. Like what was going through your mind at this point when you start to see these, like this bad behavior, like, were you thinking like, you know, all oh, this will change or, uh, were you sort of afraid of him or, you know, what, what was the reason why at this point you were kind of like, you know, I'm sticking this out. I think it was definitely a combination of those two things. I would also say um, abusers look for victims that are already vulnerable. He had known that I had been in a lot of difficult situations and difficult relationships before this. Um, and I had such a desire, I guess, to be loved at that point that I didn't necessarily think I deserved better. And I figured that that behavior I didn't know how far that behavior would go um and I also think there was a level of fear I remember telling my mom pretty early on um I think around week three that I felt like a frog in a pot of boiling water and I felt like it was heating up but I didn't know how to get out of it because I was at that point had already agreed to move in with him Wow. So it really happened fast. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like I've, I've never heard that term love bombing, but the more I think about, um, certain stories that I've heard or like even thinking of something as popular as, um, that recent documentary, like uh, Tinder swindler, like that tactic is interesting. Like, is that just kind of a pure manipulation tactic to just shower someone with kind of like love and affection and I don't know, almost soften them up a bit or just to, is it like a way to try to rapidly gain someone's trust and love so that when you kind of do switch, it's, it's just, I don't know, harder for them to be able to leave. Do you think? Yeah, it definitely is. I think like the two biggest manipulation things I noticed in our relationship is he knew when I was vulnerable and he knew, he knew when that love with, I was going to be susceptible to that love and um be like really needing that kind of affection and um he also knew when I was ready to leave and when I was done and he knew that's when he had to turn on the charm and um he he kind of switched off between those two but I definitely think in a lot of cases yeah that's the perfect definition of what it is hmm. Okay. So you, you agreed to move into, uh, with him, you said after three weeks, I, I think of dating, right? Yeah. And how soon after that did you actually end up moving in with him? Um, 
I think like three more weeks after that. Um, but he had, I had, I had troubles with my lease at that point. I was having troubles finding another apartment. So it just kind of made sense. Um, so that's kind of why that moved kind of quickly. Right. And, and, you know, so you're moving in with someone, you know, pretty early on in, in the relationship and, you know, can you kind of describe what it was like in the beginning, you know, living with this person? Um, right off the bat, it was, um, <laughs> honestly pretty terrible. Um, at the point that I was moving in with him, I had already known that this was a really bad situation, but at that point I didn't have really another choice. Um, and not to go into too much detail, but that is when some level of, uh, sexual assault and abuse began, um, was when I didn't really have a way to escape that situation. Hmm. So you sort of felt like he was trapping you in his apartment because essentially you're, I mean, it, it was his place that you moved into. So you're sort of relying, <clears throat> sorry, you're relying on this to be your home, you know, uh, uh, you don't really have anywhere else to go. So I guess what you're saying is that you feel like he took advantage of that fact and that's when he, you know, sort of, you know, what you were saying, the sexual sort uh, assault stuff started to begin. Yeah. So at that point, um, you know, I think this, uh, this is kind of where that question that we talked about in the introduction comes up where from the outside looking in, someone can say is like, why couldn't you leave? Um, or, you know, you kind of said that you couldn't or it was your only option. So what is, what was it about, I guess, the situation that you were in um, that made it so hard to leave at that time? Um, well, there were a few things. Um, at that point, I was working three jobs and I um, was also going to school full time. So I almost felt like I didn't have time to leave and I couldn't afford to try to find a new apartment and all that. I had so much going on that I was just exhausted. And, um, the abuse played into that as well, that, um, I think another tactic that he really used was he made me so tired. He would pick fights at night and, um, he, when he knew I had an early morning and, by the point I got home, I didn't have anything left me into me to fight. Um, so I think that's like one of the reasons I stayed. I also just think at that point I felt almost guilty because I was telling people about what was happening. Um, and at this point it hadn't really escalated to physical abuse. I mean, he was throwing things, he was damaging my property, but he was not like hitting me. Um, and I think I just felt like I was being over dramatic. Because he wasn't physically assaulting you. Yeah. And did you, I mean, did you like this guy? Like, you know what I mean? I mean, that might sound like a crazy question, but like, I mean, noticing just after two weeks and then three weeks and then you're moving in, you kind of feel like it's not a good situation. Is that all in hindsight or in that moment? Did you believe 
you know, oh, this dude likes, uh, this dude loves me and I, and I love him and I care about him. Like, did you feel that way or did you have this sort of touch and go relationship with him? I think I felt that I thought I felt that way. I thought that I loved him. And I now realize now that I was just so afraid and so guilty and I didn't love myself enough to realize that I didn't deserve to be treated that way. Um, and with everything going on that can, those feelings can mix and feel a lot like love. Um, I don't, there were times where we had really good times. And I think those times I felt some level of affection for him and felt like maybe he can change. Maybe I'm being too hard on him. I know he had kind of a hard past and, um, I kind of wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt, but to answer your question, I don't think that I ever really loved him. And as the time went on, I, I don't think that I really did like him. I think I was staying there because of the fee, the fear and the guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting what you say too, about the tactic of almost like tiring you out and, um, just how, I'm just trying to imagine like how hard that would be like to upend your life, to leave someone that is already, you know, abusive in many ways. And, and what might happen if you even try to do that with just juggling, like I think you said three jobs and, um, I was just trying to put that in perspective with other things. Like I, I don't think that's just like an excuse. Like if people are saying like, Oh, that's just an excuse. There's always time. But you know, like we put off a lot of, things that could better ourselves when we are stressed, overwhelmed and have a lot going on. You know, we might skip doctor's appointments or, you know, why haven't you gone to the dentist in two years? Oh, I'm just so busy. Like we, like it's, it's hard to pile on something else like that significant, like possibly finding a new apartment, leaving an abusive relationship, one in which you're also just being manipulated by a person. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. Like I've just, uh, I could see how people could almost take that statement. Like, what do you mean? Like you're tired or doing so much, but it's hard. It's hard to think clearly, or it's hard to make big decisions when you are so overwhelmed and tired and juggling so much. Definitely. I think that that is, it's good that, People are maybe able to see that now. I've I've had a lot of conversations um, with other survivors, and I um, facilitate a support group now. And just hearing mm. from a lot of other survivors, it's it's a very similar story. Of if you're so tired out, it's like you have no energy left to try to take care of yourself. And like you said, what's the difference between missing a doctor's appointment and missing looking for an apartment or things like that they kind of slipped through the cracks when all I wanted to do was just go to sleep when I Hmm. got home and you mentioned before like you were talked to your mom and um assuming you told some people like you about your situation with him like what were those kind of conversations kind of like and what did people usually say to you at first people were very supportive and they really wanted to help. Um, and a lot of people stayed that way until the very end. Um, but I think people did kind of get sick of it after a point. 
um, when I first had told my mom, she had, um, at a certain point, she had thought maybe it was just kind of adjusting to to life. And then after a point, she was like, you need to get out. Um, and a lot of people knew about it. They wanted me to get out of that situation, but I wasn't ready to. Um, and it's very easy to go back um, when you're not ready to get out of that situation, when you don't have the time to plan those details, because a lot of those details of getting out um, were things that they couldn't necessarily help me with. So even though people were saying get out um, and trying to help me through that, a lot of the support they could offer was emotional support. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that's an interesting point. And so people were aware of this. Um, you know, you're still in this relationship and uh, whatever you're comfortable sharing, but how much worse did this get? Did this get? I guess the the abuse, did it become physical? And uh, what was kind of like the, the peak, I guess, of, of the abuse that you experienced in this relationship? Um, for, so there was a period of time, um, where I did leave, um, and I had tried to get out of that situation. Um, and it, at that point it had just been yelling at me, belittling me. Um, he would make a lot of like threatening comments. There was one time where I had worn a dress he thought was too short and he tore apart a kitchen and tore off of our, like our cupboard door. Um, and he was destroying just everything in the apartment. Um, and at that point I was afraid of him and I wanted to leave. Um, I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. So I ended up, um, I ended up back with him because at that point, even though I did have the option of going to, um, my family, I was really ashamed um, and I just wasn't quite there yet. Um, and so I ended up back with him and that's when it really escalated because he knew that nobody knew about our relationship. Um, he knew I had no one to turn to. Um, and that's when I was barely able to leave the house. If I would leave the house, he would question me. Um, wow. Working became very difficult. He would yell at me right before my shifts um, and like, I was going into work with these just massive panic attacks. Um, and then uh, one night I we had gotten in some stupid argument and um, I was having a panic attack and uh, my back and my head was like kind of I was rocking back and forth and it was kind of hitting the, the wall. Um, and what he claims was he was trying to get me away from the wall uh, because I was in such a panicked state uh, that I couldn't really get myself physically up um, and move away from the wall. Uh, but how he did this was he tackled me and put his arm around my throat. Um, and then once he had broken that physical barrier, that's when um, it escalated a lot worse. And he was throwing me around the apartment and, um, throwing me against a bookshelf and things like that. And that's when like that physical violence really happened. Um, and then he, at that point had locked me out of the apartment. I had just gotten out of the shower and he like locked me out of the apartment 
with no clothes on. He like literally threw me out um, and locked the door. Uh, and then that entire night was that same issue. And I was finally able to get out the next day once I had realized, okay, this is my worst fear. The next time he is going to kill me. And um, I was kind of able to see from the look on his face, he had looked at me, looked at the staircase, looked at me again and walked back inside. And in that moment, you kind of be able, you begin to become an expert on your abuser and um, like you can read their face. And um, it was very clear that he really wanted to throw me down the staircase. Um, But he decided that it wasn't worth it. Um, And in that moment, I knew like, there's no turning back. It's never going to get better. Um, And I was finally able to get out after that. So that this instance that you're describing was sort of the final straw in this relationship. Yeah. And you had mentioned that you had broken up before. Yeah. And was it that just that one time that you described where you eventually had to just go back because you didn't want to, you know, kind of face your family? I had tried many, many times, but he was always kind of able to talk me back into it. Um, Cause the next day he was sweet and he was affectionate and it was everything that at the beginning of our relationship, our relationship was. Um, and then Eventually, I kind of saw through that and I was able to realize that, of course, he's not going to change. Right. So with everything you just said and and kind of becoming an expert and understanding in your mind, this person looking at the stairs, like probably just considered killing me. Uh, And how then do you kind of plan your escape? I imagine that there is a lot of fear around actually leaving, actually moving out or telling this person um, just, you know, fear of violence, fear for your life. So how, how do you begin to plan that escape now knowing that this isn't going to get better and I need to leave this situation? Yeah. Um, I had kind of, realized throughout those few weeks that I had gotten back together with him that I should start planning my escape because it did get bad again very quickly. Um, So when I was working, I was working overnights at the time and I was able to, during my free time, um, apply for jobs and kind of get that ball rolling, um, which I was really fortunate to be able to do. And um, the second thing I was able to do was I did have um, several friends who were willing to kind of get me out of town, at least for the weekend, um, because it wasn't really safe for me to be in the town, at my workplace, um, anything like that. Um, Even being at a friend's house at that point was kind of dangerous. And so the first night I I, the night that everything happened, I actually ended up still sleeping at that apartment because he didn't really want to get the police involved. And so he was kind of hoping he could sweet talk me back into things being fine. Um, and then the next morning I had work. So I left. Um, luckily, he was still at work when I um, got off work. So I packed up all of my things um, 
at that point I had only had like a backpack of things at his apartment anyways. Um, and so I was able to, uh, leave and go. I ended up calling my friend. She was able to pick me up at that night. Um, and she was able to kind of talk me into, instead of trying to leave him in person, because that was something that wasn't going to be able to happen, um, to just text him, block his number. Um, that was not an easy thing to do. Um, but I was able to, to, um, text him my friend took away my phone for the night. And um, then I, at that point, ended up going um, and staying with uh, some people that I had known um, that were willing to take me in um, for a few months. And I had to kind of just uproot my whole life. Uh, I decided my job at that point wasn't really worth it. Um, so it wasn't an easy decision because I had to leave my entire house and my entire life in that town. Hmm. Um, but it was definitely something that needed to happen at that point. So what, how did you, you know, break this off to the point where he knew, okay, this is the final straw. I mean, just, I mean, other than, you know, not answer, I'm assuming he was trying to call you or hit you up, but your friend took your phone, which I think is great. Um, but do you remember what you said to him? Um, I had told him that I, didn't I I phrased it in a certain way so that um it wouldn't come across as me being hard on him or like saying that he was a terrible person because that's a really dangerous thing to do um but I essentially said like I can't go back to a relationship that was physically abusive um it is going to escalate at this point you need to get help and I'm sorry that this couldn't work out, but I don't think that we are good for each other in this path. We both deserve better, um, which is something that I I don't entirely believe. Maybe I was a little nicer than I was really feeling at that point, but that's kind of what I had to do um, to get out of the relationship safely. I think that's important, too, and just like a practical piece of advice like for for you like you mentioned before of becoming an expert like for you to be able to read the situation and I'm sh yeah I'm sure you want to say a lot of hurtful things to this person that hurt you but to to kind of take that maybe more delicate approach just kind of like for your own safety and to try to shut this off uh for good I think I think that's a really important and helpful point to make thank you and uh I mean wow, it's, we're very relieved to hear that that's how it ended. Um, and then since then, have you had any contact with him or have you been able to kind of fully move on um, and in a sense, really kind of start your life over? I have been able to completely move on. I have no contact with him. Um, the last I heard, he was in jail um oh wow had gotten a new phone number because he had tried to contact me several times after that um even after his number was blocked he tried to use his family members phones to contact me so I just got a completely new phone number um completely moved on um I am it's so far behind me now at this point um obviously it still affects me 
but I was, I would definitely say I was able to move on. Um, and I'm very happy that I have no contact with him anymore. Can you tell us about the group that you had mentioned earlier? Um, yeah, I, um, lead a support group, um, through a program, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say the name, um, but if I am, it's called Hope Recovery. Um, and they're a really wonderful source. Uh, they offer online support groups um, and I lead them a couple times a week. Uh, and it's been a really great uh, source of healing for me. So what and what is that exactly? Is it you just kind of sharing your own stories and working with other survivors, kind of sharing their stories, just supporting each other? Um, essentially, yes, we don't get into too much detail about our stories. Um, it's more about finding, um, skills or like talking about, Mm. um, things that are tools in moving on, um, and like continuing to like build up your mental health and your self-esteem. Um, but it is, it's all survivors. They offer, um, supporting uh, support groups from like, eating disorders to domestic violence. Um, and while I don't share my story, um, I'm able to help a bunch of other lovely ladies share their stories. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, that's some of our, you know, most impactful episodes, I would say, are the ones where there are someone like yourself that goes through a horrible situation and then comes out on the other end and is compelled to help other people that may be going through the same thing. And it's always extremely admirable to hear. It's, you know, I, I think it's amazing that you're doing that and you're really making a difference in the world because, you know, I can speak for Greg and I, where this topic has been sitting in our inbox for years since we've started the show. We get so many emails about people being in abusive relationships and it's just shocking to know that, it's as common as it is. And it's probably even more common than people think because a lot of people don't even talk about it or feel like they can't say anything. I mean, you mentioned earlier with your story that you were afraid to tell your own family. Like, I'm sure that's not something that's, you know, rare. Like a lot of people aren't afraid to talk uh, out about these things or or maybe in the moment are not realizing that they are being abused. Um, So it's, 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 it's horrible and it's definitely something that's very common. And I'm sure there's people out there that, you are helping tremendously by even being on this platform, but also in your day-to-day and and when you're leading your group also, that is just amazing. So, you know, we, we appreciate you coming on and talking to us and definitely appreciate all the work that you're doing now, um, you know, with this group and everything. Thank you so much. I, I am so glad that I am able to use my story. Um, it was a terrible thing that happened. Um, but, we can't always control the things that happen to us. We can control the way we react to them. And I'm honestly, I wouldn't change a thing because I am able to help people that are in my situation and I'm able to understand them from a viewpoint that not a lot of people can, or not a lot of people are willing to admit that they can. Um, like you said, it's a lot more common than people think. Yeah. And, and just by telling your story and, and, putting us in, you know, your headspace and the decisions that you made, um, and and everything that you felt, just the fear, the shame, um, the reasons that, you know, you stayed until you finally got out, just 
sharing those details uh, is just so helpful uh, to, you know, again, a- answer that question that we brought up in the beginning of, of why people stay. And it's, uh, I think it's just, it's so hard to get out of. And, you know, I think uh, you're able to definitely give us more perspective on that. Um, I'm also curious, like, is there anything that you want to leave listeners with, like to, to Joe's point, it, it hurts us to know, but it's, we can say with 100% confidence, there's people, multiple people listening to this episode right now, uh, that have maybe just gotten out of an abusive relationship are in an abusive relationship or sadly might find themselves in one in the future. And is there just anything else that you would want to leave people with, um, who may have faced similar situations, uh, that, that you think would be helpful? Yeah, I, I would say just, you are worth so much more than whatever that person is making you feel. Um, nobody ever deserves to be abused. It's no matter your upbringing, no, no matter the other person's upbringing, no matter what's happened in either of your lives, like no one deserves that. Um, and, um, there are people that understand you and are willing to listen when you are ready to get out. Hmm. Amazing. Well, again, we, we appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us. Um, I think it's going to be a super impactful episode, especially because, you know, like we've been saying this whole time, a lot of people are going through this stuff and it's always nice to hear from someone who is, you know, going through the same struggles as you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on and, um, giving me the chance to talk about something that, um, a lot of people experience and don't necessarily have the ability to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And uh, seriously, good luck with everything, with the support group, with everything else that you do. We're, uh, we're rooting for you. And uh, you've, you've definitely inspired us with all of this. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Before we get to our final thoughts, we do have a sponsor for today, which is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is online counseling. Uh, if you're looking to do therapy or you're going through something, or maybe if you're not going through something, you just want to, you know, be more mentally healthy or clear or something like that, or just have someone to talk to, uh, a great way to do that is through BetterHelp. Okay, it's it's affordable, definitely more affordable than in-person therapy, which can be hundreds of dollars per session. Uh, this is a fraction of that. And, uh, you know, you can talk to a therapist just under 48 hours. So you're not going to be on this long waiting list or anything like that. Uh, in just under 48 hours, they will connect you to someone. They also make it very easy to jump from therapist to therapist. If you're trying to find the right fit for you, cause you got to find someone who kind of gets you and understands, uh, you know, your, uh, personality. So yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a good platform and, and, uh, yeah, it's also customized. It offers video chat. It offers, you know, phone or live chat. If you don't want to sit there and talk to someone or you find that intimidating, you don't have to do that. Um, so yeah, it's great. And it's also, like I said, on top of it being affordable, you also save an extra 10% for the first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash OPL. Uh, that is betterhelp.com slash OPL for 10% off of your first month spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash OPL. Uh, well, so 
I think that, you know, well, like I said, right before we hung up with her, I think this is going to be one of the more impactful episodes because it is true what I said earlier in the episode, like me and Greg, you know, even during this episode, sometimes me and Greg communicate through the computer and he's saying like, how is this so common? People know, you know like, because they comment all the time. Yeah. Like I wonder what we, they're typing to each other. Yeah. So he's like, how is this so common? How are men like this? And it's, it's true because like, it is extremely common. I personally, like, I feel like everyone knows someone who's been in an abusive relationship, relationship before, whether it's been verbal or, you know, psychological or physical. Um, it's extremely common and it is an important conversation. And we, our inbox is consistently flooded with that. People who are in abusive relationships and in domestic violence and, you know, assaults and things like that. Like it's so confusing and it's so upsetting to think about how often this happens. And also even more upsetting to think about how often it may happen, how often it happens. And then people feel like I can't tell anyone about this. Either they're afraid it makes them look weak or they're afraid that they're protecting their abuser as well, which is horrible. You know, what a horrible feeling to feel like this person is, abusing me, but I have to protect them from everyone else. Cause mm -hmm. if I tell them they're going to look at them a certain way and I don't want that for them, mm -hmm. they're still trying to do the right thing by their abuser, which is just like, it's horrible. You know, it's like, a, it's a, a vicious circle of just like abuse and like just mental fuckery. Honestly. Yeah. Mental fuckery. Yeah. And, and like shame is just such a powerful emotion and it's, um, you know, to be in that situation for, you know, survivors that at some point maybe blame themselves, which is totally unfair, but to like carry that type of guilt or to think it's your fault, like it's just, it, it is bullshit to just simply ask the question, why do people stay or think that it's easy to get out? Because there's just, there's so many variables. There's so much at stake. Uh, just the toll that that type of abuse, verbal, physical, emotional, um, will, will take on you. And like she said, to suck all the energy out and be so tired from life in general, which is tiring enough. And then constantly getting abused and fucked with, like it's hard to do anything in that point. And then it's hard to open up to other people because you feel shame. It's just, uh, it's just one of the most vicious cycles, uh, out there it really is. And, um, you know, lucky, lucky to be able to hear a story like this where she got out of it and, you know, was able to kind of own her narrative and help others. Um, but you know, as, as nice and hopeful as that feels after a conversation like this, it, you know, these conversations still, uh, they leave. I know like I could speak for you, like it just leaves your heart heavy and it just hurts. Cause you know how many people are literally going through this right now and may not get out of it or don't know how or feel so stuck. And it's, uh, it's just so frustrating to think about. And it's so fucking sad and makes me very angry. Yeah. It's, it's just fucked up, man. And it's like, I don't know. I can't say, I don't want to speak in like giant generalities about the entire thing or yeah. like, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, I think that for anyone out there, I think there's nothing like, you know, if this episode of, if you're leaving with anything, you know, I hope that it's, you know, you can always talk to somebody. There's no shame in telling people that like, I feel like I'm being abused or I'm in this sort of thing or to talk to someone, therapist, your family, anybody don't, 
don't think too much about like, you know, I'm, I'm worried this will make me look weak or, you know, whatever, or at least try not to. I'm not gonna say you don't, but like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel that way because people don't view you that way. You know, like if you're, uh, and if they do, then fuck those people. But I'm telling you as, as me and, and a lot of the people that I know, if anyone ever came to them and said they were in an abusive relationship or, or they felt like, you know, they were in a dangerous situation, uh, that would be taken very seriously. There are people out there that will help you and will not judge you and will point you in the right direction. So I encourage anyone to, to speak up and, you know, definitely no judgment from people who stay in relationships like that. Like it's way more complicated than that. No one, not even anyone who you can even talk to or whatever will understand the dynamic between you and someone you're in a relationship with. It would be always just be you two who will completely understand every aspect of it, but no one else will really get it. So it's unfair for anyone to really judge um, based upon, you know, what they're told because they don't know the full story. Mm. Um, There's also so, yeah. to, to that point, you know, just one of the simplest but most powerful pieces of advice, I think, is for not even just the people who find themselves in those situations, but just just anyone, me, you, anyone listening, remember to check in on your friends, remember to check yeah. in on your family, and just remember to ask people how they are, because sometimes all it takes is saying, how are you, to be able to get someone to open up and say the thing that they weren't able to kind of say themselves. And um, that can just apply to so many situations, but it's just always important. I think, um, I, I try to remind myself that of that a lot too. It's just, just ask people how they are and it could go a very long way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, we appreciate her coming on. Um, but yeah, for anyone out there, if you want to be a guest on the show, hit us up. Our email is oplpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, we go through all of them. So if it works for the show, we'll hit you up and we'll set, we'll schedule something. Yep. And, uh, Keep up with us on Instagram, TikTok, at OPL Podcast. If you want to join that Patreon community, head over to patreon.com slash OPL show. Um, you know, I'll say right now, like after hearing this episode, because we've been using the Patreon funds right now after this episode, it's, we're due to put the funds towards something and let's, uh, let's look into like a domestic abuse, domestic violence, whether it's a hotline, we'll, we'll, we'll find an organization, uh, and we're going to put the Patreon money to, to donate to that. So that's what we want to use the Patreon for now. Um, it'll be inspired by certain episodes we do inspired by ideas that you guys give us. Uh, but that is 100% something that, that we're going to do after this episode. And, uh, that is all this week. Yep. We'll see you guys next time.